Grab your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 as we dive into the second part of the teaching we have for tonight. Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. Before it's too late. We are in our fourth positive attitude that displaces this wilderness in our life. It's an attitude of faith, and and we learned last week that doubt is not pleasing to God. Doubt is, is not what God desires for us or from us. And as we look at the positive aspect of this, we want to have a reminder. Remember, an attitude is a pattern of thinking that's formed over a long period of time. And you can't just stop a bad attitude. You can stop moving in a direction on a bad attitude, but you can't just change it overnight. You can change course on that attitude, and you can begin to see victory. The only way we change an attitude of doubt is displacing it with an attitude of faith. As I was thinking uh, this afternoon about uh, 29 years of following Jesus in my life, it's a long journey of one step of obedience put after another. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it this way. It's, it's a long obedience in the same direction. Every step with God is a step of faith. Every choice to trust his promise is a choice to step out of the wilderness and step into promised land living. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start at verse 1. Take your Bibles and read along with me. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is it's not some ostrich with his head stuck in the sand, dying to just kind of hide and denying the obvious and the inevitable. No, faith is intellectual. Write that in if you're taking notes. Faith, it's, it's not anti-intellectual. You can be full of wisdom, full of intellect, and still have faith. I hate this idea of our students going off to college and then they are told that if you're going to be a person of faith and you need to leave your mind at the door because you can't have faith and intellect at the same time. This is not true. Faith is not anti-intellectual. The truths of Christianity have satisfied the greatest minds in all of human history. Now, most of us in this room, we're not even capable of framing a question in such of a way that there's not an awesome, satisfying, intellectual answer to our question. God has been proving himself faithful over and over again. There are some things that are mysteries. There are some things that we don't fully understand. But many of us don't take time to seek the answers for the questions that we raise. I want you to think about how Christianity has stood the test of time, generation after generation. Now, if you have questions, you don't have to be fearful of asking your questions. When we say we don't want to have doubt, that doesn't mean that you don't ask your questions. I think sometimes we're afraid that if I get honest about my questions about the Bible or about God or about faith, then I may somehow unravel God. Your questions don't threaten God. Ask your questions. Every question you have, there is an unbelievably intellectual, satisfying answer for your question about God. And for us to displace doubt in our life, we have to understand what faith really is. Faith is active confidence in God and His Word. Now jot this down. Faith, it's not only not anti-intellectual, it's not escapism. 
Faith is not this stained glass, dreamy, little house on the prairie sort of a thing that's kind of a hallmark fictitious story. Faith is tangible. It is real. You can sink your teeth into it. It is robust. Faith is not anti-intellectual. It's not escapism. It's not mind science. Now, there's a lot of that out there. This is not a seminar on positive thinking. This is not Tony Robinson. It's not having a positive mental attitude. It's not that you've got to just keep believing and just keep believing more and more. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is not just possibility thinking. Faith is active confidence in God's Word. Now, tonight, uh, I want to let you know that we're bringing... Ruth Chris Steakhouse, just flat out meat. And I love going to other places and getting the ice cream and getting the uh, side dishes and all that good stuff. But for the sake of our time and more importantly for the sake of our soul, I want us to dive into the guts of what really makes a difference in doubt in our life. Uh, We could spend all kinds of time with some great stories and some stirring illustration that may make us kind of swallow the pill of what is about to come a little bit easier. But friend, I don't believe that any of us in this room need extra help to catch this very simple truth. We have doubt and it is crippling our life. Of all of the wilderness attitudes, this attitude of believing that God is not enough, that God will not make good on his promises, is crippling the church. It's crippling us. God wants us to have victory and to live into the promised land. And so here's where I want us to start. If you're only going to write one or two things down, I want you to jot this down. A working definition for us of faith. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it. It's believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God's promise is is good. God promises a good result. Now, I want us to catch tonight that there's a lot in this definition, and so we're going to unpack that piece by piece by piece. This first aspect, faith is believing God's word. We have to believe that God means what he says. Hebrews 11.1, notice what it says. Faith is confidence. I like what the New King James says, that faith is, is substance. You know, if, if you get online and you're going to place an order for something online, and you just found something that you really like that you can't get and you've got to place an order online. I have to tell you, it was a number of weeks ago that I found a product online that was great excitement for me. If I can find a pen that writes really well and doesn't cost a lot of money, I really like that. If I could find a pen that not only has blue and has red, but would have green and would have orange and a pencil, now we're talking all for under $8, sign me up. I want to get one of those. But the problem was, is you can't buy it anywhere in the United States. The only place I could purchase this was online from another country. And I placed my order. I got online and I gave them my card number and I gave them my shipping address and I gave them all this information and... It was by faith that I believed that they were going to give that order to me. But there was something else. I didn't just place an order. I had some concrete reasons to believe that the order was going to be shipped. 
They gave me, just like you do this when you order online, they gave me an email receipt. And I had contact information. I knew where to find this company. I had a physical address. And so my confidence level was pretty high. I had a confidence that I could hold on to that what I ordered was on its way. Now, did I have those wonderful pins yet? No. But I do in my office. You can look at them, but I won't let you touch them because I like them so much. But I had a confidence. I hadn't received it yet, but I had a confidence it was on the way. I had something in my hand that I could hang on to that said the order is complete. It is fulfilled. It is paid for. It is as good as mine. You know what? Faith is the same way for us in our spiritual life. We have been given a confidence, something of substance to hang on to. We have a receipt that says the order has been placed, it is fulfilled, and it is as good as ours. But for some reason, I don't know that we really treat this as if God really meant what he said. This is a receipt, it's an evidence of what God has done for you. There is substance, there is confidence we have in God's word. Now, when the Bible says that faith is substance, it is confidence of the thing that I hang on to while I wait for God to do what he's promised to do, we also see a little bit later on in verse 1 there, it says that we have assurance and evidence. This is an evidence. It's not just something that we kind of wonder about or we think about. There is evidence that God will be faithful. Now, unlike this online order, I've never ordered from them before. I've never seen them before. I didn't know anybody who had ever done business with this company ever and so i had to hang on to what little substance i had but god is not that way there has been people after people after people who have heard from god he has spoken to them he has been faithful to them and it is now an assurance it is evidence that god will make good on his promises is there anybody here tonight that you would say i have seen God be faithful to his promise in my life. Just raise your hand. Now, here's something that's pretty cool, and I want you to, I want you to try this. I want to find out that there's probably, in fact, definitely, there's somebody in this room who has walked with Jesus, has trusted Jesus longer than anybody else in this room. If you are here and you have followed Christ, he's been your Lord and Savior, you put your confidence in him, you put your trust in him for 20 years or more, raise your hand and leave your hand up. Keep it up. Keep your hand up if you have followed Jesus for 40 years or more. If it's less than that, put your hand down. 40 years or more, keep it up. If you have followed Jesus for 60 years or more, keep your hand up. Now, if someone has their hand up, you may need to help them. They're, They're getting tired. They've been following Jesus for a while, but you keep it up. If you're here and you follow Jesus for 65 years or more, keep your hand up. If you follow Jesus for 70 years or more, keep your hand up. 75 years or more. 80 years or more. Let's go back. 77 years or more. Where were we at? Oh, no, no. 80. We have a five-year-old that's outdoing you over here, brother. I don't know how that works. How long, friend? 87? 87 years. Amen. I don't want you to miss this. The reason this brings confidence to our heart is is because God has been faithful to you for 87 years. Anybody not been alive for 87 years? 
You have seen God be faithful in your life longer than a lot of us have ever been alive. But as exciting as that is, you know what? Before you were born, there was generation after generation who saw God be faithful to them. We have reason to have confidence. We have reason to have assurance. We have evidence before us that God is faithful. And what grows our faith is the confidence that God will do what he says he will do. I've had generation after generation of people in my life who have followed God. Listen to Psalm 90 verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. I like the King James here. It says, you, O Lord, have been a shelter to every generation. My mother and my father found shelter in the Lord. My grandfathers and my grandmothers found shelter in the Lord. My great-grandfather and great-grandmother found shelter in the things of God. You say, well, Pastor Brady, that's good for you, but but I'm the first Christian in my biological family, or at least my immediate family. You know what, friend? You are joining a long line in the family of God who have seen him be faithful through all generations. One of the reasons we gather together like this, one of the reasons we need the body of Christ is to remind ourselves that God is not just here for you. God has been faithful to the people who've gone before you, the people who are around you, and it will increase your faith when you trust God to be faithful to what he has said. Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. This verse has been comforting believers, has been giving faith to believers for generations farther than we can imagine. That's flat out evidence, friends. There is millions of people who have gone before us that have trusted in Jesus and they have seen him to be faithful in their life. Now, now let me help speak confidence into your faith. I mean, you mean to tell me that there are millions of people who put their trust in Jesus and seen him to be faithful, or are they a part of some conspiracy theory? Have they all gotten together to try to protect this hoax? This is absolutely rock solid. Ask whatever questions you have. Seek out whatever answers you're looking for, but know that God will make good on his promises. He is faithful. Faith is believing the word of God. Now, now faith is not just, not just hope. Uh, hope's a good thing, and, and we need to have hope. And if you don't have hope, that, that's a sad thing in life. But faith and hope are not the same thing. Uh, you know, faith is the drawer, and hope is one file in that drawer. Faith can be a part of hope, but faith and hope are not equal. There's things that I hope for that I don't have a lot of confidence in. I, I, I hope that the Broncos will win the Super Bowl. There we go. I've got some friends. Uh, but I, I'm not going to stake much on that. I just kind of hope for that. And there's godly hope. There's hope that has a reason for a hope. When I, that's tied to my faith. And, and I've got to be honest, uh, I, I like, like Peyton Manning, but um, I, I don't have faith beyond him. They've got to cooperate with Peyton. They're not helping him out sometimes. We've got to understand that faith is not hope. Sometimes we have this defeat in our life because we look at the doubt and we say, well, maybe I'm just going to have some hope to displace that. I just kind of wish things will be better. I just kind of hope that there will be some positive things for me in the future. There's no value to displace doubt in your life from hope alone. It is faith. Faith 
we can have confidence in. God wrote a book, and he is good to his word. Listen to Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Another translation gets a little bit better than this. It says, which God, who cannot lie, not just does not lie, who cannot lie. That's more appropriate to the original language. It's not that God hasn't lied yet. It's not that God promises he he won't lie. God is truth. He cannot lie. It's in the same way that, that men can't have babies. It's not that, you know, men just won't have babies. We just won't cooperate with the program. We, we, it's not just that we haven't had babies on our own yet. It's just men cannot have children. They cannot bear children. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, women cannot enjoy NFL football. It's not that they haven't. It's not that they won't. But you say, honey, come here and watch the game. And the answer is, I, I can't. I just can't do it. In all seriousness. <laughs> but she said, no, that's not true. Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, there we go. But God can't lie. God's word is true. He cannot say one thing and then do another. God, by his very nature, is truth. God is faithful to his word. The second part of this definition of faith, I want you to look at that. Faith is believing the word of God and, what's it say next, and acting upon it. This is a key for us. It's not faith until you act upon that faith. It's not faith when you just get it into your head. It's not an intellectual assent. It's not faith until you act upon it. You could think your whole life, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God. But friend, the demons believe in Jesus. But they don't believe on God. They don't act on their belief. They don't act on their faith. You may have, in your most honest moments, said, you know, I, I've tried to really have faith, but, but that's never really worked out for me like that. I tried to believe, but it's never really worked out for me. Friend, it may be because you have believed, but you have never acted on your belief. This may be worth the entire teaching series for somebody here tonight. The aha moment might happen. The light may come on in your mind right now. That the reason you're not having victory in your life, the reason you are stuck in the wilderness, is not because you didn't believe, it's not because you need to believe, 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 believe more, but you have not acted on your faith. You've not acted on your belief. Because you have believed and you act upon it, you will have faith. I think about the science teacher that was trying to prove some of the laws of physics to their students. And they were talking about a pendulum and, and the, the principles there that a pendulum swings an ever-decreasing series of arcs. If you swing it, it will come back and forth an ever-decreasing series of arcs. And he began to explain that to them, and they, they got it. And they said, yeah, we, we believe that, we understand that. And he said, well, let's just test that. And so he pulled back a curtain in the classroom, and he had rigged up a chain that hung to the ceiling of the rafters and came down from that chain was a big steel ball. And he had arranged to have a chair put on one side, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I want one of you students to volunteer. I want you to sit in this chair. 
And, and this law is true, and so we're going to test it out and see how much you believe in it. And, and so I'm going to take this steel ball, and I'm going to move it and hold it right up at your chin. And then I'm going to let go. And it's going to go rushing across the room, and as it comes racing back, if you believe this law to be true, you'll have confidence that it won't come smacking into your face. How many students do you think volunteered to sit in the chair? None. And they, they believed that principle to be true, and yet they weren't sure they wanted to act upon it. Just like those students really didn't get it until they would sit in the chair and understand that it was a law that could not be broken. God's word is true every single time, and we need to sit in the chair and act upon the faith that we have. I believe this is why uh, so many people think that they are saved and they are not. I want to repeat that. This is why I believe a lot of people think that they are saved and they are not. They have subscribed to some kind of intellectual belief in Jesus that he exists or that he died on the cross, but they've never acted on their faith. And in turn, they've never sat in the chair. They've never put their whole life on him. And salvation is not theirs until we act upon the faith we have. Matthew tells us of Jesus' words, when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. That is a promise that Jesus has given to us. God will not disappoint you. He will not turn you away. There may be times in your life where there is a dry spell, a dry period. And there's a big difference between living life in the wilderness, a result often of bad attitudes, and being in a dry spell or a dry period. God allows some dryness to come into our life, but you seek him with all of your heart, and he will reveal himself to you. But sometimes we, we call something a dry spell, and it's not a dry spell at all. We say that we are having trouble with our faith, but we're not really seeking him with all of our heart, and we're not really dwelling on his promises. From time to time, I'll have people who'll come to me, and they'll say, Pastor, I, I'm just really having trouble with my faith, and I just, I just can't believe God. And, and you know what goes through my mind? You're not in God's word. Now, I don't say that out loud. It just doesn't go over real well if I just flippantly say that to them. You're, you're not in God's word. Now, it's... It's with all love and sincerity that if you're here tonight and you say, well, I kind of feel that. That, that. I don't know if I have faith that is strong. I don't know if I'm acting upon that. Well, first, I want you to know that my heart breaks for you. I don't say that out of any kind of jest. I don't want to bring unnecessary pain to you. But with all the love that I can muster up, are you devouring God's word? Are you reading God's Word? Are you meditating on God's Word? Are you seeking God in His Word with all of your heart? Because He will reveal Himself to you. And your faith will grow when you seek God in His Word. Friends, this is not just a book. This is a receipt. This is substance. This is a promise making good on an order that has been fulfilled for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And our faith is based on His Word, what He has said. We have gotten confused in the church too many times that we have made faith into some kind of hoop that we jump through, some kind of emotional tingling experience, some kind of uh, reciting of some phrases that now we have faith or we have gotten it somehow. My faith is rooted on God's Word. I'm not going to let the book of the law, the Word of God, depart from my mouth. I'm going to pay careful attention to what it says. I'm going to obey it. And God promises I will never leave you. And now you and I can be courageous. The grass will wither. 
the flowers will fall, but the word of God will stand forever. You say, I thought we're talking about faith. Friend, your faith is found in God's promises. Your faith is not found in any other place. It is found in what God has given you evidence, proof of, in His Word. I want to challenge you, friend. Some of us, the best thing that we can do this week is to clear our schedule and to dive into God's Word. To feed our soul. To let our mind be saturated with His promises. To let it wash and renew our mind. You say, well, well, Brady, that sounds good, but I'm just not feeling that today. Well, let's look at the third part of this definition. Faith is believing the Word of God. It's acting upon it. And I love this next part. It's so important for this truth. No matter how I feel. No matter how I feel. If doubt is waving over you it's crashing over you like a wave it's just pouring in around you it's not based on how you feel to let faith run free in your heart no matter how i feel i'm going to act upon god's word you've heard it said before that feelings make a a good caboose but a horrible engine if you let your feelings follow you they can be a blessing But if they drive you, they will be a curse. Uh, I love how Dallas Willard puts it, that feelings are great slaves, but they are horrible masters. It doesn't really matter what you and I feel. What matters is that we are acting upon God's Word and the faith that we have in His Word. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes we go to the other end and we think that feelings are evil, they're wrong, they're bad. Feelings are a blessing. Emotion is a blessing. Whenever there is motion, there is often emotion. But don't confuse emotion with genuine motion. Emotionalism is when there is no substance. There's nothing underneath. It's just a whimsical move of your feeling. But when you are rooted in God's Word and God moves, your feelings will come, but let them trail behind your choice to have faith in God. Finally, the last part of this definition, faith is believing the Word of God, acting upon it no matter how I feel. Now, why are we doing this? Because God promises a good result. God has promised something. Now, take your Bible. And I want you to hold Hebrews 11 in your hand. This has been one of my favorite passages of Scripture for a long time. I want you to look at verse 3 with me. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Some of us here tonight need some understanding. It may not be about how the universe was formed, but you're lacking understanding. I prayed with a friend today that they were lacking understanding. And what is the key? It is by faith we understand. Go to verse 4. By faith, Abel, what did, what, hey, what did he do? He offered God a better sacrifice. God is requiring something of you. He's calling something of you greater than what you can muster. How does this happen? By faith. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. You want God to provide? You want God to spare you something? You're asking for God? It is by faith. Now, now catch this. God doesn't always give me what I want, what I greed for, what I think I have to have, but he gives me my needs in him. But it's by faith that he has supernatural provision. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Look at verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. There's some men here tonight that their cage needs to be rattled. God is calling you to build something that will save your family. What ark are you building? What are you investing in? What are you putting your hand to that will be a refuge for you and your family? You don't do it by willpower. You don't do it by earning your way with God. It is by faith how I am acting upon my confidence in God being true to his word. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When he was called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. You can't make this stuff up. This is so good. God is calling a number of you to do some things, to go to some places, to be something that you don't even understand all of it. You're saying, God, if you would just give me all the details of the plan, and God doesn't do that all the time. It's by faith that he didn't even know where he was called to go, that he was obedient. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. Some of you say the window of opportunity has closed. It has passed. But by faith in God, making good on his promise, the impossible can be possible for you again. I was 14 years old. I was sitting on my parents' couch in Oskaloosa, Iowa. In all seriousness of what it could be for a 14-year-old, I was calling out to God for him to heal me of my asthma. One of the things that was greatly important to me at that time was sports. Looking back now, it seems kind of silly. It wasn't that tragic of a thing, but when you feel like your life should be centered on that. I've shared with a few of you that my life goal is to be a professional soccer player. I had no idea at the time that I did not have the talent or the drive to make that come to be, but that's what I thought was going to happen. And my chronic asthma was getting in the way of making that a reality. And I remember crying out to God and Him directing this passage to me. And this was one of those words that God gives you that is very meaningful and powerful, but you're not so sure you wanted to see it. Verse 13, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. Friends, when we have faith in God and we are acting upon it, we need to understand that God does not always move in the timetable we want Him to move in. And all these heroes of the faith that we have been looking at, they did not even receive all the things promised to them while they were alive here on earth. In our flesh we say, well, I knew it was a hoax. But this world is so short compared to the next world. And they admitted that we are aliens in this land. This is not our home. We are just passing through. I barely even want to unpack for this life. God says, I will be faithful to my word. When you trust me in my time, I will bring all my promises to pass for you. As we read on in verse 17 and 20 and 21 and 22 and 23 and all the way through, you see person after person. It was by faith that God enabled. It was by faith that God gave them. One generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Walls began to fall. Seas were parted. Generations were pointed to God because of faith. You say, well, what are some action steps for me? I want doubt to be displaced in my life, and and where do I start? 
and rapid fire three ways that we can tackle this this week. One, you've got to have God's word. Cultivate your faith. Romans 10:17 says, "Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing the word and hearing through the word. How much of God's word have you saturated yourself with this week? I'm not just talking about an intellectual knowledge of how much you've memorized or how much you can quote or, or how many times you have read a certain book, but how have you let it be something you feast upon? Cultivate your faith. Allow it to grow. Faith comes by hearing the message and through the Word of God. If you don't have faith, you need more of the Word. Now, for out of fear of it being so simple that we miss it, doubt will drag you down to the depths of death. You will not displace doubt with good works. You will not displace doubt with information about God. You will displace doubt by believing the Word of God and acting upon it, no matter how you feel, because God has something good in store for you. Second, we are to witness, to confess our faith. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I wish I had time to explain this more, and I can't adequately explain it. My words are failing me at this moment, but it is very beneficial when we speak the word of God, when we let God's word, our faith in his word, come out of our mouth. God's Word says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, something happens when you hear yourself begin to speak God's truth. Now, this is not positive mental thinking. This is not just, you know, I believe, I believe, and and you're just going to kind of through willpower and grit and might speak something into existence in your own strength. I mean, you can try. You can try to do that. But that doesn't work because your faith is rooted in your own Word. But when you speak God's word, you are hearing, you're allowed to saturate your senses that God is faithful to his word. Let those around you hear your faith in his word. I I believe that we have made evangelism into something so scary and so complicated because we feel like we have to argue people into the faith. They'll become a Christian when they... Understand God and all of his depths and everything about him. Well, now, who exactly in this room has got that figured out? Who exactly in this room could answer every single nuance about who God is and what he does and why he does it? If we got to that place, then he would cease to be God and you would begin to be one of him. And we know that's not possible. Don't be afraid of your questions. But we need to understand that God is God. And when we speak our faith and trust in his word, there is a witness. Everyone needs to have a reason for the hope that they have. It doesn't mean you have to lawyer up and convince every person through every point. Now, there's a place for apologetics. I'm not speaking against that. This is not a blind faith. There is so much evidence in God's word that he is who he says he is, and we need to know that. But you don't come to a saving knowledge in Jesus by your intellect. It's by acting upon what he has promised that we find him. The Lord convicted me about 
maybe 18 months ago now. Man, that's not that long ago. I can still feel the sting of the spanking Jesus gave me. You ever get spankings from Jesus? This one hurt. I vividly remember Jesus speaking to me and he said, Brady, who is it in the circle of your influence that has a greater hunger for the word of God because of your speech pattern? Not because of the things you've written, not because of the things you've preached on Sunday, but who is it in the circle of your influence who hungers for more of my word because of the way you talk? I began to kind of squirm a little bit. Well, God, I kind of that's kind of what I've given my life to, preaching your word. He says, that's not what I said. Who in the circle of your influence has a greater hunger for my word because of your speech pattern? And God began to impress on my heart, oh God, I need to be speaking what it is that I have faith in. Not only for myself, but for those around me. Do you have a Christian brother or sister who is so in love with God's word that it just kind of comes out of their mouth? You begin to hear them, and it's not quoting God's word out of some kind of star chart of they're just some Nancy or Ned Nazarene who's just got everything perfectly memorized. It is deep in their soul. You, you know. You, you've met somebody. If you haven't, let me introduce you to some friends who, who have a relationship with God's word that way, that it just oozes out of them. You want faith to grow in your heart. Let it witness coming out of you. And finally... It's not just the word that we cultivate. It's not just the witness that when we confess, but it's our walk. Corner your faith. Uh, put it on the spot. Come right at it. Mark nine twenty three says, everything is possible for one who believes. Those are Jesus' words. We should live a life in such a way that If God is not who he said he is, we'll fall flat on our face. Is there anything in your walk, is there any direction in your course in life that if God would cease to be God, now he won't and he can't cease to be God, but if that would happen, would your path of life have to change? Or is your walk in life, your direction in life, so rooted in your own abilities that it doesn't even need God to show up? What if you lived your life in such a way that God, my faith in you, my confidence in your word is so strong that if you don't show up, I'm falling flat on my face. Church, I believe one of the reasons that we are so depressed spiritually, we are so discouraged, we're distracted, we're disengaged from the things of God, we rack our brains through all kinds of church growth methods and mechanisms. Where are the people that used to come into God's house? Where are the missing generations? Friends, it's not because of a song list. It's not because of a building. It's not because of anything that's happening politically alone. It's because the people of God have exchanged a life that was so desperate for him for a life that they could kind of do on their own it's generation after generation who saw mom and dad talk about the fullness of the holy spirit and the power of the spirit on sunday but it was absent throughout the week god help us that we can displace doubt in our life when faith takes root it's faith that god is faithful to his promises Now here's the good news. What the enemy is going to try to do right now, God wants to yank off the table. If you're here and you're feeling guilty about not being in God's word, that's not Jesus. 
Jesus will say, we got some time tonight. Let's read. Jesus will say, you know more than you think you know. Let me bring it to your memory. Jesus wants you to be in the written word. The living word wants to have resonance in your soul with the written word. The enemy will get you to feel so bogged down and, and how you're inadequate or how you can't do it or how you didn't like it. Or, another vein, get you so aggravated at the person who's telling you should be in the Word that you sit here and go, that dumb preacher's saying those things. I, know, I have faith. I have more faith than he had faith. I've read God's Word before he was alive. I know more God's Word than that kind of stuff. Hey, friend, I, I love you, but I love you enough to say if your mind's going in that direction, Satan's working overtime on you. It's not that I care that you what you think about me. I'm a human. I want you to like me. But there is no salvation in me. There's nothing good in me at all. The more we get to know each other, you'll go, wow, there's a lot of Jesus in him. Because the more I see of him, I don't like him, but I like Jesus in him. And you need to get God's word in your heart and have a love affair with his word. Because we need to be brainwashed? No. Because there is power in the word of God. He is faithful to what he says. You know, God's word speaks about itself. God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than what? It divides what? Bone and marrow. Joint and marrow. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but what? If you're new to the Bible, this is not some secret code that everybody's in on that you're not. We just have had brothers and sisters who've been walking with God longer than we have. And we begin to see that God was faithful to you. We were in prayer meeting last Wednesday. That's not true. It was a couple Wednesdays ago. And one of the couples in that group was sharing about how God had been faithful to them. And as I began to see the tears stream from their eye, it began to well up in my heart. And I'm like, why am I feeling so emotional about somebody else's provision? I had no vested interest in what God did in their life, and it dawned on me. The same Jesus who showed up for her is the same Jesus that has showed up for me. Church, my heart today is not to stir up your emotion, though that may happen when God begins to move. There will be emotion. My heart is to stir up within you a confidence, an assurance, a receipt that God is at work. He cannot lie. It's not just that he hasn't yet or that he won't. He can't. I want to challenge you as we move into this time of emphasis for revival that you will hang on to this truth. The word of God never comes back void. (laughs) I know we're supposed to be done, but we're not yet. It's okay. You got feet. You hate it. You can leave. It's all right. God's word will never come back void. I was sitting in a uh, meeting that I was required to be at. Isn't spiritual gatherings that are required interesting things? (laughs) I was required to be at this meeting to listen to a speaker that, to be honest, I didn't really like. I won't tell you his name because he may be your brother or friend or whoever. But I was aggravated, and I had a good long list of why I didn't like this person. 
But God began to give me another one of those spankings like I told you 18 months ago. And he said, you don't listen to him, you listen to my word. As he began to speak, he was faithful to God's word. It didn't come back void. I still didn't care for that, that, that guy because of some things that he and I had interacted in. But God taught me an important lesson. There's a reason why when we're called to preach, it needs to be focused on God's word. Because what I think and say has little to no value, but what God has said has extreme value. I believe that for some of us, we need to put down our favorite author, put down our favorite radio host, and say, God... It doesn't matter if I like that delivery or don't like that delivery. It doesn't matter if I relate to that mechanism or not. You are faithful. Father, I thank you that your word has been presented tonight. Lord, I pray that you will make good on your promise again, that it will not come back void. Satan wants us to walk out of here with doubt depressing us, distracting us, disengaging us to the place that death takes hold of our heart again. But Lord, I pray that we will make a conscious decision tonight. Though we can't change this attitude tonight, we can change course on this direction of our attitude tonight. That we choose to trust in you. We will act upon our belief that you have made good on your word. Regardless of how we feel. Because you have good things in store for us. I pray that you'll bless my brothers and sisters this week. I pray that they will have such a hunger for your word that it will be a joy to read scripture. God, liberate that woman who needs to understand that they can run on the treadmill and listen to God's word and it counts. Free that student that they can go on a walk through the wilderness with you, through the woods. They can read your word and meditate on it and it counts. Free that person who's not a morning person. They can study your word at 2 in the morning, and it's just as true then as it is at 6 a.m. I pray that you'll free that person who they don't read well. They see the words backwards the way I do, God. And I pray that you will set them free and remind them that you have inspired that word, and you can make it come alive in their heart. I pray that you'll bless my brothers and sisters with the same refuge that generation after generation has found shelter and safety in. That is in your promises that never fail. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.